When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Cricket Badger Podcast with Cricket 365. The Cricket World Cup 2019. Afghanistan. Australia. Bangladesh. England. India, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa, Sri Lanka, West Indies. Let's pick the bones out of this tournament. With your host James Butler, Cricket 365 Zoli Fisher, and journalist Akash Shiva Subramanian. It's a sad day. The tournament has finished. It's the final World Cup Weekly, Cricket Badger World Cup Weekly for what has been a thrilling Cricket World Cup played in England over the last six weeks. It's brought us drama, it's brought us highs, it's brought us lows, and it's brought us a final yesterday, which was just beyond belief in terms of the tension, the drama, the swings and arrows of outrageous fortune. A truly tremendous showpiece final. Free to air in New Zealand, free to air in England. So hopefully there's been a few kids getting involved in the game. A whole generation of people who have missed out on having free to air cricket suddenly have maybe discovered the sport. So a fantastic thing for certainly for Sky and Channel 4 in this country and New Zealand have followed suit as well. So that's to be massively applauded. As always on this podcast, I'm James and I'm joined by two reprobates, one called Ollie and one called Rakash. How are you guys? Yes, very good, mate, in a very celebratory mood after everything that's gone on. We'll hear a little bit more about you in, the, in just a second, because you were lucky enough, you absolute git, to get tickets for the final with your dad and go down to Lords yesterday. I was very, very lucky is exactly how I feel, to be honest. Obviously, even having tickets for the World Cup final, regardless of the outcome, was, was a massive, massive privilege. And, and being there and seeing the game that we did was, was just everything that you could ever dream of, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And Akash, where were you watching the final yesterday? I was watching in, in my room in Sheffield and I was very jealous of Ollie. But at the same time, I didn't have to show my emotions in, in front of so many people. So I guess that's good. Ollie had to, had to be composed to watch the last ball. So that, that would not have gone good in, in front of so many people. 
I wasn't composed. I certainly wasn't composed. I was anything but that, to be honest. We'll hear that in a second, Ollie, that you weren't composed yeah. at all, because that'll be on the uh, on the recording. We did it. I did a podcast yesterday myself. I was watching it on the TV, doing a few updates as we went through the day. So it's all live, and um, that, you, that you'll hear on the podcast that was released yesterday. And Dolly was obviously at Lords, and he was sending me the audio clips from Lords with his dad. And alongside him as well, he played his big part in that uh, podcast. Already, Ollie, you might be amazed to know, it's the most listened to Cricket Badger podcast episode of all time, that uh, pod that we did, uh, that we threw together on uh, a few WhatsApp messages. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, it was one of those where, obviously, I wanted to wanted to record the updates and stuff and really get across how, how the emotions were at that point. But genuinely, I was so engrossed in the game that just ended up doing them at key intervals. But yeah, my dad deserves a massive shout out because he was absolutely minting those. I think by the end, by the, by the last couple of recordings, you can definitely hear the nerves coming through and stuff like that. But no, I'm not surprised, really, that it is the most listened to podcast already because, you know, everybody's trying to soak up every little bit that they can after what was a, a monumental day. I've clipped out the last kind of five minutes of the pod from yesterday so you get a bit of a hint of the drama, listeners, as the game obviously went towards that super over and uh, finally reached its climax. But if you want to listen to the whole podcast, then uh, have a look uh, on the Cricket Badger site and you'll see all of the different pods there from, well, loads of different pods there, but you'll be able to get the, the full 16 or 17 minutes, I think it is, of uh, podcasts from Lords and my living room yesterday that said we watched the pod. But let's hear the five minutes now. It's that Badger style. Halfway stage here, England 93 for four, needing 149 off the remaining 150 balls to win the World Cup. Algae 60% now. It's much uh, lower. Um, it feels like definitely 70% New Zealand. They build extremely well and um, they're looking favourites at the moment. Yeah, we're also struggling to find the boundary here on the slow pitch and a few bad shots coming from uh, from our top order. It's going to be down to this partnership now between Stokes and Butler as they just run it to. Um, but yeah, New Zealand been outstanding in the field, bowling well and uh, yeah, not very hopeful at this point. Ben Stokes 57 off 67, Plunkett's 4 off 4. There are three overs left for the Cricket World Cup 2019. 208 for 6. This is on a knife edge. Ben Stokes, you're going to have to do something special. Is this redemption for that final over in the World T20? 34 needed, 18 balls left. Four years hard work hinges on this. You can't deny New Zealand get home, they deserve this. But come on, Stokesy, come on, Pudsy, you can do this still. 34 off 18. Why do I put myself through this? Sport is so cruel. Oh my god. I have never, ever, ever seen anything like it. 241 all out, run out, going for the second off the final ball. We got a super over at Lords. Ben Stokes, 84 not out. Dot, dot, 6-6, six, six, and then two run outs going for the second. Whoa, <laughs> what can you say? What can you say? This is absolutely ridiculous. The game's gone to a super over because it was a tie. Uh... People are handing around whiskey. People are handing around whiskey. Get it down, get it For the nerves. We've just scored 15 off our super over. Go on. 
just scored 15 up our super over. I don't know who will bowl, but we've got to back ourselves to defend that, surely. If not, we don't deserve to win the World Cup. Let's have it, boys. One more over. I can hardly do this. England have just won the World Cup. Super over, drama, Joffre Archer gets smacked for six, comes back. Ben Stokes is on a high. He can hardly keep himself together. England win the World Cup in a super over by one run. There's nothing between these two sides. That was just incredible. Well played, New Zealand. God. England, world champions. I've never seen a game like that. I've watched cricket for decades and I have never seen drama like that. That is just special. Free to air telly. I hope there's a six-year-old kid sat on the sofa just thinking, I found cricket and it's amazing. The joy on the faces of those English players. Jeez, that is just special. Oddie Fisher, you're a lucky boy to get to that game. What a day. literally don't have any idea where to begin with that. Um, we've just witnessed the greatest game in cricket history and it's ended with England World Cup champions. My nerves are just completely gone. Um, the scenes that we're witnessing now, the team just about to do a lap of honour after lifting the trophy. The sort of video game stuff, it's stuff that we never thought would happen because England are not meant to do this kind of thing. Um, I really don't know what to say. There are no words that can really properly sum up the finish to that game, obviously, in the 50 overs with a tie, and then going to the super over. And in the end, the game over the 102 overs was won by about a foot. An amazing throw from Bairstow on the boundary, Butler whipping the bails off and sparking some of the best scenes that you could ever see. Dad, how do you, do, how do you describe that? Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just sort of at the moment feel lost for words. I, I twice thought, thought we'd lost that. Um, certainly in, in the run-up where we needed um, whatever we needed after the last three overs, I mentally gave it up. Um, 34 of three. Yeah. Um, then we got down to the last over, last ball. Uh, the, the deflection of Stokes for the overthrows, one of the most, yeah. I, I suppose, incredible moments in a World Cup final. The elation to take it to the final ball of Minton. To, to do it all over yeah, again. Yeah, to do it all over again. And I, I, I thought we had enough with 15. I thought that was a superb effort. But then, um, I don't know, I, I thought they'd won it within about four balls. And to get down to the last ball again, and yeah, so... There was at least twice where the world, I, I thought we'd lost that. And, and World Cup over a month and a half has been won by about a yard. Yeah, absolutely. That, that yeah. Yeah. New Zealand not really loses in this situation, just that England would have about a yard better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible atmosphere. Yeah, the best Absolutely not, and now we're going to celebrate getting that in good. 
The Cricket Badger podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket365.com. Their ethos, we love cricket and want to make the world love it as much as we do. Join them at Cricket365.com. Thank you very much to them for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. You can hear the drama in your voice, Ollie. That is not just fakes. You're not that good an actor. That was a serious finish to a game, wasn't it? I I thought that England had lost that probably about five or six times. And I was watching it on the television and I had Crick Info open to my left. I also had the radio on too. So I was was kind of viewing it on three different platforms. Crick Info's ahead. Then I think the radio was slightly ahead of the television. So I was kind of looking at the score. Then I was watching the action, if you like. So if there was any drama, I I already knew what it was going to be because that was the only way I could stay alive through it because the tension was just too dramatic. There was one point where I looked at the Crick Info score and I misread it very quickly. And I thought that we'd lost by one run so for about 40 seconds I thought that England had lost the final and then I watched the action and then realised that we were actually still in it was getting gone to a super over so I actually conned myself a little bit but actually being in the ground with the atmosphere there it comes across on the clips that you sent through but being there it must have been quite intense quite intense is an absolutely massive understatement I've never seen grown men mentally disintegrate like they did on Sunday evening like you know as you say it's it's dramatic enough watching it on the TV because obviously you've got the commentary that's feeding into it and and building the intensity all that kind of stuff the last sort of few overs of England's innings are pretty much a blur to me because there were two or three times when I thought we definitely lost the game and then it was all about you know how thinking about how to deal with the disappointment of that and then there was a constant theme throughout England's innings, really, where when it looked like the run rate was getting on top of us, we hit a boundary just to release the pressure a little bit and, you know, give give the fans hope. And we were just hoping that it wouldn't be false hope. Then it got down to that last over. And I think there was a sense of resignation around the ground, like you shouldn't be able to hit 15 or 14 off the last over to, to win. Just Ben Stokes, man. Ben Stokes, what a guy. First big balls of dot balls as well, weren't they? Because he didn't want to give the strike away. So two dot balls... Two and then he just balls, opened yeah. the shoulders. That, that Trent yeah. Bolt moment was huge, wasn't it? Because if he just stayed inside the ropes there and tossed it back in, that would have probably been a nail in the coffin, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have. And it's one of those that nowadays you see in cricket because of how good the standard of fielding is. You almost see that done in time. You know, he, he throws it back before he touches the rope or whatever. But I think he didn't really know how far he'd sort of backpedaled and then he needed that, that step or two just to regain himself. But it was just a moment too late that he let go of the ball and threw it to Guptill. And fair play to Martin Guptill because he acknowledged what had happened and straight away signalled to the umpire for a six. Yeah. Now he probably didn't know at that point what was to follow, but uh, in the heat of such a big occasion like that, he, he deserves a... I mean, obviously they'd have gone to the cameras anyway and confirmed it as a six, but just for him to do that on the field shows they were very, very, very... I just feel so bad for them, you know, in general, but um, but a tremendous team and, and, and great sports. And did the whiskey that the, the Millwall guys in front of you were handing out, did that calm the nerves? Yes and no. It's a weird one, really, because, you know, they, they were the sort of those who were cricket purists and, and go and watch the games, you know, they like to see as many balls as they possibly can, that kind of thing would have probably been a bit annoyed by them because they were up and down to go to the bar and stuff like that. But then by the end of the game, they were basically our best mates. That was the nature of, of what the game did to people. But yeah, the, the whiskey, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it calmed the nerves. It was just ridiculous because, you know, it was being passed around. Everyone was having a glug and all that kind of stuff. And it was just clear that so many people had 
were just frazzled, mentally frazzled, and they were looking for any kind of relief from the whole thing and, and just helping to get through this ordeal. We'll never see anything like it again, as far as I'm concerned. ODI cricket has basically peaked, uh, and that was just one of the one of the beautiful moments from what was like a, just a magic, unforgettable day. And Akash... You can bring a slightly more neutral point of view to this, but that final was just... I've never seen anything like it. It was just incredible, wasn't it? The final was crazy. I think it was... The whole tournament was, was a tournament of ifs and buts. We could debate everything sitting at home, but the way it went, it, it just had to be... It just had to happen. And sometimes you say that the luck goes, and then there is after luck, there is lady luck. So there's so much luck for England on that day that they emerged victorious. But it was a really good contest. And uh, both teams should be really proud of it. The last time I saw such a final was in 1983 when India defeated West Indies. That, that was an unexpected moment. And then several years later, we have seen a close contest and a good final. So that's good for cricket. But some decisions did not go in each other's favor. But I, I guess that's, that's after the tournament. So can't complain much about it. Yeah, you, you got to feel for the Kiwis. I mean, Kane Williamson has conducted himself well throughout the tournament. I think he's been arguably the best captain in the tournament. I think he's a superb bloke. And a lot of dignity in the Kiwis, I felt, after the crushing disappointment of losing that final they conducted themselves brilliantly yeah, exactly I think uh, Kane Williamson has been uh, outstanding throughout the tournament not just with his bat but also uh, with his uh, captaincy and also the way he's been composed how he's kept himself composed throughout the tournament and uh, one particular clip that was trending on Twitter yesterday after the finals was him asking uh, someone someone was telling or someone was informing him that he was the man of the tournament and then he was like me that shows you what, what a cricketer he is and, and the way he responded to all the questions in the post-match uh, press conference. That was, that was just the man, Kane Williamson himself, and how he's captained the team. And if you see, the whole team has been humble and they've, they've played their part in the tournament and certainly they, they deserve much more than what they got yesterday. But that's cricket. That's, that's how it is. It's unfair at times. But you can't complain about that. I, I don't see Kiwi players or their fans complain much about it but that's how the game goes I mean the big question I guess that we'll start uh, the, the nitty gritty with did we see Akash the right winners of the World Cup were England the best team I don't think England were the best team but on the night they were the best so that's how it went uh, I don't think any tor- any any team in, in the whole tournament were perfect every team had their uh, negatives every team had their positives England had a mini slump they recovered from it uh, New Zealand had a a huge slump before the semi-finals. They recovered from it. So I think it's not a perfect tournament for any team. All the teams suffered. All the teams had their fateful days and they got their glory as well. So I don't think England were the best team. I don't think New Zealand were the best team either. But on the day, I think uh, I, I, I think they should have shared the trophy. But it's just my opinion. I'm going to cut into you there because you're going to go through the teams and end up telling me that South Africa still deserve to win that trophy. You're not having it, Akash. You're not having it at all. Ollie, in England, we have this, I guess, bitter kind of experiences with tournaments, don't we? You know, football especially, penalty shootouts, semi-finals, the hand of God from Maradona. But in cricket, two years ago, Champions Trophy, they, they were the best team during the group stage of that Champions Trophy, had their slump in the semi-final. And England seem to have, been, have done it the right way this time. They've got wise a little bit. They had their slump in the group when it didn't matter. And then they came back strongly towards the end, powered through into the semi-finals and, and won the trophy. But in, in that respect, quite an un-English performance. I suppose you can make an argument, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, that that group stage played out almost perfectly for England in terms of going into the competition obviously very confident off the back of a comprehensive series win over Pakistan 
playing very good cricket, setting high scores, knowing that we that we could win a game both ways. And then sort of in the in the group stages, we started off well, and then it was looking like we could basically steal our spot in the top four with that game against Sri Lanka. And obviously we failed to chase down there, what was a, a pretty paltry score. And then we were obviously beaten by Australia and. You know, the media turned then. It was all about the wheels that had come off and it was all about England bottling another major tournament. But in reality, like I say, we're looking looking back at it with the benefit of hindsight, but it allowed us to sort of go back to basics, fine-tune everything that we know that we're good at, produced a fantastic performance under pressure against India. I think people should be looking back on that as, as one, of the, one of the standout games of the tournament in terms of England answering their critics and proving that they've got the mental resolve that a lot of people were saying that they were lacking. Beating New Zealand, obviously, to secure secure that place in the final four, and then it's just knockout cricket. How do England respond? Will it go the same way as usual, or is or is this England team really made of, of different stuff? And thankfully, we were made of different stuff, and we produced a very good performance, very efficient performance in the semi-final, playing at pretty much 90 95% of how we know that we can play. And then in that final, it really was anyone's game. We got over the line, that's... that's the simplest way of putting the, the 10 hours of chaos that unfolded. Some people have been saying today that England didn't really get over the line because the main match was tied, the super over was tied, the fact that it was decided on most boundaries hit in the in the 50 over part of the competition was the wrong way to go about it. But I've, I've been trying to say all day that they were the rules. You know, whoever made the rules, have a crack at them. It's not England's fault that the rules were the rules and have won on that basis. You know, both teams would, would have been aware prior to the tournament starting, Ollie, that those, that, that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the rules are the, are the same for both sides. There's no uproar that's come afterwards from the New Zealand side of things. The only thing is that those are so far down the, the rule book, so to speak, um, that you never ever think that it's going to actually become a possibility for, for a World Cup to be won on boundaries after a tied super over that just never even enters your head yeah I, I guess rules were the same for both sides you don't really like to see a world cup won that way if we'd have beaten australia in the final for example and won that way it would feel very very sweet the fact it happened to new zealand and seeing them absolutely devastated was was not not nice obviously because they've not exactly had the rub of the green in World Cups either. It was the way it was. There had to be a winner. And we we did it by whatever means were necessary. But I've seen the front page of the New Zealand Herald uh, that basically says New Zealand lost the World Cup by drawing both games. Perhaps that is the way that they're feeling about it. But like I say, it's unfortunate that there had to be a loser from that game. And, you know, that's the that's the sombre side of, of England lifting the trophy, I guess. Akash, is there an argument to say that if it's that close, the trophy should be shared and New Zealand and England could have been joint winners of the World Cup? It wouldn't be very satisfactory, though, that would it? It wouldn't be satisfactory, for sure. But as a neutral, I would have expected it to go that way. But then it, it never goes that way. We've seen the other finals as well, the Wimbledon finals, where it went to 12 sets and then you needed Djokovic to, to get the tiebreaker, which, again... Again, is how the rules are. It's how it, it is played, and both teams would have known that uh, this is how it's going to boil down to, if it boils down to, which Kane Williamson was, was really not sure about. He, he, at, the, at the press conference, he was like, I, I would have never expected the game to go down to this, this manner in a final. So fair play to both teams. I don't think we can do much about it. We can probably trip about it now, but... Uh, we can't really do much about it. Probably we can change it over the course of time. We can we can have something like a head-to-head or something that could come come to play because uh, I think we might have to change it if it goes down this uh, in this manner in the next few World Cups. 
but I'm not sure we could have done much yesterday. I mean, they're, they're probably be a load of stuff now about changing the rules, and we'll never see a game like that again where we a tie followed by a tie. It's one of the most unlikely results possible. Probably doesn't need a huge amount of thought from the ICC because it'll probably never ever happen again. There was that incident as well, Akash, in the um, when Ben Stokes dived to make his ground, the, the ball hit his bat and it ran away for four. And people have come out since and said the rule book says that should have actually been a five, and Ben Stokes would have been at the other end off strike. And it could have made a big difference to that final over of the 50. The umpires obviously made the wrong decision on the pitch. I don't think there's any doubt of that. There's also a rule that says whatever the umpires decide on the pitch and sign off for the scorers, that is the result, full stop. So England are the world champions, regardless of what comes of, of that. But you would expect people at the very highest level with third and fourth umpires in the crowd too to know the rules, wouldn't you? Certainly the umpires should, should have known the rules, but then uh, mistakes do happen. Mistakes do happen with humans. Uh, but what I'm surprised is that uh, even with technology, we cannot get past the facts. And sometimes they had the technology to do it. So probably they could have used it. And then they had a long gap between that uh, particular delivery and the next one. So they could have gone to the third umpire and they could have confirmed the, the decision if they had to. Because it's, it's always possible with technology that you can go back and confirm uh, some decisions. And that might have changed the way the game went. But at that point, we would not have predicted that it would have gone down to that, say, even a tie. But having said all of that, I think uh, technology is there for a reason. And uh, they could have used uh, at that time to, to get the right uh, decision and the right call. So probably technology not used in the right manner, but uh, that's one of the things that we can say sitting here. I don't know how it goes down when, you, when you're being the umpire and you have so much going around you. So that's something that can be used in the future. So uh, I'd be hopeful and wishful that it would be used in the right way and in the future. And Ollie, just to, to round off on the final, um, I saw Owen Morgan interviewed... And he said, you know, we had the look of the Irish. Um, Adil Rashid told me that Allah was with us. England had the rub of the green in the latter stages there, didn't they? Which is nice to see from an England point of view, because usually it's the other way around. In, in, the, in a lot of things I can think of, you know, you come away thinking, oh, we actually played really well there, but we just got unlucky. England actually got the look at Lords, and that's what actually made the difference in the end. Yeah, it feels like um, it's been a long time coming in that sense. Uh, things that Things that could go in our way did end up going in our way. Things that could go against New Zealand did go against New Zealand. And, and they'll probably be feeling like the ones that have been tremendously hard done by and rightly so. But, um, yeah, I think Owen Morgan put it perfectly. You know, it, the look of the Irish and, and Alain being with the team and all that kind of stuff, it just, it just sort of feeds into the fact that, you know, there's so many people that represent this England side that come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and yet they've come together as a group, well, as a squad, of, a squad of 15, as a team of 11 that were out there on the field on Sunday, and they've delivered success for, you know, 70 million people, and it's just a tremendously sweet feeling. Yeah, it did feel like there were some some higher powers at play at times, especially with with that deflection. Also that's come out since about that that should have only been a, a five not a six it all just feeds into this tremendously dramatic narrative and it's honestly some it, for New Zealand it's a Shakespeare it's a Shakespearean tragedy that even he'd be ridiculously ridiculously proud of like I say it's really hard just to put into words what we saw yesterday and yeah. 
winning the, just lifting the trophy it is a, a, a means to an end really and it doesn't actually do justice for the for the previous 47 days it doesn't do justice for the 10 hours that preceded it I'm just so happy that, that the nation seems to have got behind the team and, and appreciated this success for what it really is I, I love the tweet from Jimmy Neesham who played a huge part in that final he bowled well he came out with a bat in that super over and got New Zealand so close and his tweet last night after he'd obviously sat down and thought it through thank you to all the supporters that came out today we could hear you the whole way sorry we couldn't deliver what you so badly wanted and then he went on to say kids don't take up sport take up baking or something diet 60 really fat and happy basically don't put yourself through the don't put yourself through the mill of sport it's just too painful I just thought that was a beautiful way of putting it he's spot on isn't it he's quite funny anyway Jimmy Neesham Um, he sent off a string of like three tweets after the game yesterday that that obviously got quite a lot of traction but that sums it up perfectly agony and ecstasy all that kind of thing the extremes and emotions that you get but I just think that that's quite a quite humorous sort of take to to come out of it but obviously the the tweet that came before where he said you know that hurts hopefully there's a day or two over the next decade where I don't think about that last half hour I think that shows the effect that it has on the players that were that were in that moment and while on the one side you've got obviously the England players who will never forget the game for the right reasons you've got a group of, of New Zealand players there who were who were absolutely crestfallen I could in some way manufacture it so that no New Zealand are going to win the world next World Cup then I'd I'd be very happy with that because honestly, we could there couldn't have been a, a more humble uh, opponent to win that final against. Like I said, I just I just really hope that they win the next one and and end their decades of suffering. Yeah, I'd, I'd support that happily support that. But uh, for now, I know this uh, cricket budget podcast we've been talking about every single country and everything. Myself and you, Wally, we're English and we're rather happy with the fact mm-hmm. that uh, Owen Morgan got his uh, little mitts on that trophy because it's quite a nice trophy. That's nice and shiny and gold. In recent weeks on the Cricket Buzzer podcast, we've had David Gower, we've had Joe Root, we've had Daniel Norcross, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes, Joel Garner, Ronnie Arani, Chetaswar Pajara, James Foster, Daniel Baldrummond, Sam Hayne, Brett Dolivera, Keaton Jennings, Delray Rawlings, Richard Gleeson, Anthony McGrath, Paul Collingwood. We're building up quite a few test caps and there are many, many more to come. Thank you so much. For all your comments, it is much appreciated as it goes from strength to strength. You can find the podcast every single week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, Radio Public. We're growing. Grow with us. Have your say on all things cricket. Contact us on Twitter at cricket underscore badger. By email, cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Comment on things mentioned in shows. Suggest future topics for future programmes and get involved as the Cricket Badger podcast continues to go from strength to strength. You said last week, and we'll stick to it, that we're going to pick our team of the World Cup and probably rather than just go through every single position and, and kind of debate it at, at length, I've picked my 11 and then you tell me if there's going to be any changes. You two guys can jump in and say if you agree or disagree, but Rohit Sharma at the top of the order, most runs in the World Cup, five centuries. I can't see too much of a problem with that myself. His opening partner is in my team is David Warner. Would they be yeah. your two openers? Yeah, they'd be my two openers, yeah. They were the um, were the standout opening pair. I think if Jason Roy or, or Bairstow had gone big in that final, I might have been tempted to put either of them in. 
just purely to sort of have some, some acknowledgement there. But yeah, definitely those two. Uh, they were the most consistent across the tournament. I was just really impressed with the tournament that David Warner put together. Obviously, Rohit Sharma and David Warner ended up finishing one run apart. It shows how close they were. But yeah, what an opening pair that is there. For me too, Rohit Sharma and David Warner would be the openers. And the right-hand, left-hand combination at the top is always good. So that that's a really good uh, opening partnership that we would like to see at some point in the time in the future. In the middle order, it's almost impossible to pick a middle order without playing people out of position in this because there's been so many prolific number threes and not many prolific fours and fives. I've cheated a little bit, consequently. I've put Ben Stokes in at number six as the all-rounder because Ben Stokes has had a, not just yesterday in the final, he's, he's produced a number of knocks that I think have been very important to England. Often in a losing cause, it has to be said, so it was nice for him to get that monkey off his back. But he's my number six. And my three, four, five, and you can put these in any order you want to, are Kane Williamson, who is also going to be my captain, Baba Azam of Pakistan, who I thought had a really good tournament, and Shakib Al-Hassan, the Bangladeshi all-rounder, who, again, brings uh, a bit of spin to that uh, batting, as well as the copious amounts of runes he scored. There's just one confusion for me and it would be whether it was Joe Root or Barbarism but since we have Kane Williamson and Shakib in the side I, I, I think I would go rather with uh, Barbarism who could play at a slightly better pace than Joe Root so that would be my only change. And also Kane Williamson and Shakib there's no there's no possibility of any changes and uh, the, the the other thing is Virat Kohli the reason that we didn't pick Virat Kohli is because he didn't play as well as he would have wanted to and uh, that's why I don't think he's featuring in this in our side I think with Joe Root he, he was definitely on my shortlist but I was actually really disappointed with Joe yesterday in the final he got bogged down his usual fluency of just knocking the ball around flicking it around for ones and twos seemed to have deserted him he looked at the scoreboard and saw that he was well behind the strike rate that he wanted to he had a massive heave which is very unlike him at the ball before he got out to and then he chased a really wide ball and nicked it behind and I think Joe Root got worse as the tournament went on rather than better Ollie I would put Joe Root in there instead of Babarazam he scored around about 80 more runs across the tournament yes he did have two more games obviously but I think it is definitely possible with, with recency bias to look at that Joe Root innings in the final which as you say was not a characteristic Joe Root innings often when Joe Root comes into bat he's part of a significant partnership and he's one of those players that you can kind of look up at the scoreboard and all of a sudden he's on, on 15 or 20 not out and he's just been you know nudging and nerdling without really upping the pace too much but I think Probably he's kind of the perfect symbol of, of what, uh, or his innings yesterday is a, is a perfect symbol of what a World Cup final can do to the very best players in the world. He struggled, you know, to, to score freely. He's basically facing quite a lot of Colin de Grandholm, who went for 25 runs or something off his 10 overs, which was absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, struggled to score freely, and then the pressure got the better of him. He thought that by scoring a boundary, he could perhaps turn the release valve a little bit but it didn't end up happening and it, it wasn't a, a typical Joe Root shot really it was a heave he'd heaved the ball before and missed and then yeah he, he was out the next ball but I think over the course of the tournament Joe Root deserves a spot in there over, over Babarazan but he also had a very impressive tournament and was part of that Pakistan resurgence towards the end we're going to move on to the number 7 spot which is my wicket keeper slot special mention for Mushfika because I thought the Bangladeshi keeper had a very good tournament with both gloves and with the bat too I thought he was excellent obviously Joss Butler has been very good for England as well although maybe hasn't got quite the number of runs that crossed the competition that maybe people were expecting him to 
people were expecting him to blow the competition apart. And England had won despite that, which I think is, uh, is, is testament to the rest of the team. But my keeper at number seven, Akash, is Alex Carey of Australia. I think he's had a superb tournament and looks the real deal. I think he was the breakthrough of the tournament for Australia. With, with, the, with the gloves, I don't think he's been his best. We've seen better days for Alex Carey. But with the bat, certainly he's, he's, he's shown temperament, he's shown class, and he's also shown that he can bat through pain. So... That's, that's the biggest three things that you would expect from a batsman, and he's certainly showed it. Yeah, that would be my pick as well. Yeah, it was brave, brave knock he played, wasn't it, against England? That's been struck on the head. He carried on gritting his teeth and, and still played really well. Would you agree with that, Ollie? Totally agree with that. Um, I think I think Kerry at times showed a, a large sense of resolve, basically. He was the one who, who came in and provided resistance and resilience at, at different points for Australia. And, uh, yeah, like you say, that knock in the semi-final is a testament to that. Obviously, he got quite a nasty blow and carried on made a useful score the thing with Gary now he's got to be you know has he actually made a claim for the Ashes could he potentially play as a, as a specialist batsman in the Ashes obviously with Payne being the captain and, and that but he, yeah he had, he had a very good tournament he's the definite definite leading candidate for, for the wicketkeeper in this 11 uh, scored 375 runs and yeah looks, looks a very tidy player I've got four seam bowlers make up my team here um, because spin didn't really have a, a massive effect in the competition. Shakib can bowl my spin overs and he's obviously already been included further up the order. I'm going to give you two to start with because I don't think these are debatable. And I just want a quick yes off you just so we can we can put these in. Mitchell Stark and Jasper Bumrah. Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. I would say Bumrah's perhaps a little bit debatable, but he's still in, in my 11, so can't really argue with it. Absolute Stark and Bumrah opening is, is a nightmare for any any team, be it uh, World 11 or be it any other team. So that would be my way as well. Bumrah with the death overs and start with the opening overs. Bumrah could bowl any time in the, in the innings as well, can't he? I, I know what Ollie's saying, that he maybe didn't take quite the number of wickets, but I think teams just played him out, and his death bowling is as good as anybody's. Mitchell Stark maybe is the strike bowler of the two, but Bumrah, people just can't get him away. He's just a quality, quality act. So those two are in the 11. Now, my other two bowlers are... Jopra Archer and Lockie Ferguson of New Zealand. Ollie? Yeah, absolutely no arguments with those two. Uh, obviously, there's a two and three in the wicket-taking chart for a very good reason. Jopra Archer, this is his breakout tournament. Obviously, the way that the tournament ended for him, it couldn't have been any more dramatic. Uh, I thought that his name might be clouded by the fact that he failed to defend 15 in a, in a World Cup final super over, but he recovered very, very well after those first three balls. Yeah, he... he he, as a young lad, found his length straight after that, and ultimately he will be forever remembered for that moment. But across the tournament, he was very, very good, took 20 wickets, incredible raw pace, great control, and he's just going to be such a useful asset for us moving forward. And then as for Lockie Ferguson, obviously he deserves all the plaudits as well. He, he took 21 wickets, and apart from obviously the dodgy moustache, I think everybody kind of got behind him as, as the very talented bowler that he is and he could very very easily have been lifting that trophy at some point uh, yesterday evening you can shave a moustache off can't you but you can't necessarily make yourself yeah. a fast bowler you've probably got the right bit in, mm-hmm. in situ there I'd be absolutely fine with these two I think Joffre has been the breakthrough performance and the breakthrough uh, player for England this this World Cup and Lockie Ferguson has been the same for New Zealand he's, he's been absolutely sensational in the middle overs in the death overs in the OPU overs he's been the real star and with Jofra so we've we failed to see raw pace at, at such an exposure in the World Cup and he, he's just raw pace and the way he controls it, it it's just next to none probably 
next to Bumrah, I could say. Uh, so he, he, these two are the picks for the final slots of the team. Pretty much agreed, all the way down there. We've got Rohit Sharma and David Warner opening the innings. Kane Williamson, our captain at number three. Barbara Zamp stroke Joe Root. We couldn't quite agree on them, but both players get in the squad. Shakib Al-Hassan, Ben Stokes, Alex Carey with the gloves, Lockie Ferguson, Joffre Archer, Mitchell Stark and Jasper Bumrah. Probably making up my squad there would be, I think Trent Bolt got very close um, to getting into the seam lineup, and Jason Roy and Johnny Best have had uh, very good tournaments for England, but not too bad, guys. We pretty much agreed all the way down the list there. So that's the 11, the Cricket Badger Podcast 11 for the World Cup 2019. Hi, my name is Brian Lara, and you're listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. Let's then finish with our awards, really, and a check of how we did in our prediction competition, our charity prediction competition. Um, let's start with who would be our player of the tournament. The officials selected Kane Williamson, and to be honest, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I just thought, as we've said already, led New Zealand with a huge amount of grace, humility and style, batted beautifully. Kane Williamson is fine with me as the player of the tournament. I really, really love Kane Williamson for obvious reasons. He's uh, he's regarded very well among Yorkshire fans. And honestly, his reaction to being told that he was the player of the tournament says everything about him as a person. That he sort of went what with with disbelief. Like I said, it shows shows his humble side. I think Shaky Balsan can feel a little bit hard done by. I think if he'd have kept up his wicked taking pace that he had at, in the early stages of the tournament, then he'd have absolutely definitely got it. And obviously, you know, he he played a couple of less games than than the guys who ended up passing him in in Sharma and Warner in the run scoring chart. I'm happy with Kane because I think there needs to be some acknowledgement for a team that made it all that way to the final and lost in those circumstances. You know, 578 runs into a bad return either. I agree with you on Shaqib, but I think to be player of the tournament, you've got to be in a side that actually gets to the semi-finals. I think to pick anybody else would be would be wrong in that respect, which is why Shaqib fell down, I think, in that vote. I, if, if, if it was me, I would have given it to Shaqib uh, just, just for the sake of uh, how he performed this tournament. It's something that we've never seen from an Asian team in England, that uh, they've never come to England and certainly performed in such manner with the ball, with the bat, and on the field, off the field. Uh, it's, ve- it's very tough to not give it to Kane Williamson when you, when Williamson's impact on the team is more than just scoring runs. But it would be a tight one. If you'd see the all-round performance, I, I would have given it to Shakib. But then the captaincy and the way he's led the team, it, it makes it very difficult to take it away from Kane Williamson. Start with you, Ollie, on the next one. We're just going to go batsman and bowler. Just their names and a quick line as to why. Batsman and bowler of the competition. Batsman Rohit Sharma, you know, 648 runs across nine innings, you know, speaks for itself really. He literally looked unbreakable at times when it when he really got going and when he when he motored through the 50s through to the 100 he just looks so so calm and so composed he's the perfect partner to so many of the explosive players that are in that india lineup you know perhaps the one very minor criticism is that he when he got those hundreds he didn't go on and make big big hundreds but he was just absolutely outstanding he deserves batsman of the tournament for me my bowler of the tournament would be mitchell stark he finished six wickets above anyone else he took 27 Lockie Ferguson was second with 21. He's the best ODI bowler in the world, in my opinion. The thing with Stark is that, for me, he bowls so many deliveries that are quite literally unplayable. That in-swinging Yorker that he has in his locker, he knows when to vary his length. He's brilliant at either end of the innings. Only made it to a semi-final, I guess you could say, but, yeah, he was just outstanding. He, he played the pitches perfectly, and he showed what a versatile bowler he can be, and a constant wicket-taking threat. I think it's hard to argue with statistics, so I, I, I still would go with the same... 
uh, Rohit Sharma with the bat. The only two times he's failed, one one time was uh, when the umpires could not make a right decision, and the other time was against New Zealand. So Rohit Sharma has been absolutely outstanding, and there've been uh, talks that he could be made the captain uh, for the limited oversight for India in the near future, which which makes a, a huge case for how he's performed and how he's. Played throughout the World Cup with the bat. That's Rohit Sharma, and with the ball, Mitchell Stark. You don't need to introduce that guy. He he can rip through your batting order in just two overs, and then you'll you can never recover and come back from from that sort of bowling performance that he's he he'll be done in the, those two or three overs that he bowls. Mitchell Stark for a very good reason. I'm exactly the same as you two, so I'm not going to repeat exactly what you've just said because I agree with everything you've commented there. I'll just make one little point that I think Jason Roy, if it hadn't been for a hamstring and him missing three games of this competition, he would have been right up there amongst the leading run scorers and we've seen how crucial he was at the top of the order for England. When he came back, they looked like a different side with Roy and Bairstow at the top of the order. So, Without his hamstring, I think we might have been talking about Jason Roy in that bracket. Roy Sharma, Mitchell Stark for me. Happy with that. Been talking every single week about our champagne moment of the week. It's too easy just to pick that super over. So I'm going to discount that because I think that goes without saying that that was a special final and a special moment. Let's try and use our brains a little bit more than that and look for a different moment throughout the competition. Start with you, Ollie. Yeah, my champagne moment this this time is not really a champagne moment at all. It's a whiskey moment. Just I know you said to kind of discount the super over, but in terms of an individual moment that will stick with me for the rest of my life, it has to be that. Like I said, people that you you never really met well, before you, that are just looking for against you're going against the rules. <laughs> uh, I disagree because it was during the interval. <laughs> okay, I'll let you. I'm going to carry on. Well, it has to be that because it's the moment that from this World Cup that will stick with me for the rest of my life. It's just people that don't know each other looking for any way that they can to cope with the nerves, to cope with everything that's unfolded, unfolding before them. And that, for me, is what is what cricket should be about. It's high drama, high intensity. And like I said, that's the thing that will stick with me. So I, I have to pick that, really. I think one of the standouts for me at this World Cup has been the standard of fielding. I don't think there was any coincidence that probably the two best fielding sides got to the final of this World Cup because it is very much a third discipline. And England and New Zealand, their fielding was fantastic. Even in the final, some of the catches that were taken in the final were absolutely excellent. But I think my champagne moment will be Sheldon Cottrell when Stephen Smith tried to pull him into the crowd at Trent Bridge. Sheldon Cottrell on the ropes. He was a champagne moment for me that week. And he stays, that's an indelible memory for me, in that he had to do so much to catch that ball. With the rope there, there's about seven or eight things that could have gone wrong with that catch. And he managed to coordinate everything right and to uh, take that catch to dismiss Stephen Smith. So that'll be my champagne moment. And Sheldon Cottrell, we didn't mention him in the team, but I thought he had a very, very good World Cup for the West Indies and provided a lot on the pitch as well as a lot off it. As you know, If you look at it as social media throughout the competition, you know, hats off to him or a salute to him. That would probably be more appropriate because he was doing a lot of coaching with the kids and was really a positive role model influence off the pitch as well as a, a very good competitor on it. So Sheldon Cottrell and that catch for me at Trent Bridge. Akash, what about you? My champion moment for the week or this week would be uh, Ravindra Jadeja's performance against New Zealand. The way he's uh, performed against the critics and he's shown that he can bat, he can bowl and he can field certainly we've seen throughout the tournament. So that would be the pick of the week and just for the finals, uh, one particular moment would be Ben Stokes' advice to Jofra Archer. The way he said, 
this over this over will not will not shape your career this over will will not be the only reflection of your career so i think that's a really good advice to give to a youngster uh, and i know that ben stokes has been in this situation where he's been criticized heavily over the past say 3 years for for just not being able to defend 16 runs of one over so that that would be my two champagne moments of this week so you just you you, don't, you follow the rules but you get greedy so you have two this week that's that's fine Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Towards the end of our final World Cup weekly episode and throughout this World Cup we've been having our own three-way competition for charity and we've been picking our winners of every single match as we've gone through the World Cup. I took a, a lead, then Akash overhauled him. I've been trailing behind throughout. I picked, though, the two winning semi-finalists, where you two went a different route. I had New Zealand to beat India, and I had England to beat Australia. So that got me just behind you come the end of the group stage. I was on 234.5. Ollie, you were on 242.5. And Akash was leading at that stage on 255 But then, as I've said all the way through this tournament, we did our pre-tournament picks for various markets with Paddy Power. We had player of the tournament, and I'll just remind you of what your picks were. Ollie, you went for Johnny Bairstow and Adel Rashid. I went for Joss Butler and Joe Root, and Akash went for Virat Kohli or Stephen Smith. It was Kane Williamson, so whack whack oops on that one. (laughs) The fastest 50... Ollie picked Jason Roy and Andre Russell, split stakes there. I had Andre Russell as well and Hazrat Tuller from Afghanistan. And Akash had Andre Russell and Joss Butler. The fastest 50 of the tournament was scored by Shimon Hetmeyer in 26 balls. So, again, quack, quack, oops, no points returned in any of those. We also had a big discussion in the first week about how we saw it being a, a massively high-scoring competition. We talked about an individual getting over 1775 the high school was David Warner's 166, I think it was. England to get 500 plus, I had a portion of my stake on that. Nobody got anywhere near, even going over 450, which was the other market. And we all went yes on that. So again, nil return on any of the overs on the scores bet. Now, I'm going up the list here. I'll do the batsman first, because again, we didn't get any of these either. The leading scorer was Rohit Sharma. You did get second, Ollie, because you had David Warner with three units. You had Aidan Markram as well and Johnny Bairstow. I have Bairstow and Root and uh, you put all of your eggs into the Stephen Smith basket, Akash. So again, no returns on any of those markets. So still no uh, advancement on the total points. But we have three markets left. We'll start with the bowler. And Akash, you picked Jaspit Bumrah, Kahiso Rabada and Imran Tahir. I had Rashid Khan and Adil Rashid because I was expecting the spinners to rule the, the roost and that certainly didn't happen. Ollie, we have our first tick in the winner's column because uh, you picked Kahiso Rabada with five units. You had three on Adrashid 
and two of them are Mitchell Stark. So you get a plus 34 there because he was 16 to 1. So you've got uh, that coming back to your total. That actually temporarily puts you into the lead. But then we move up to the bottom team of the competition. I was adamant that Afghanistan were going to cause a few surprises and wouldn't finish bottom, so I selected Sri Lanka. That didn't happen. You two both selected Afghanistan at even money to finish bottom. And finally, though... So the winners' markets ended up proving quite pivotal in the overall scheme of things here. Akash, you had 10 of your units on England, so hurrah. That was returned at 7 to 4. You also had New Zealand. If that super over had gone a different way, Akash, and your 10 units on New Zealand at 12 to 1 had come in for you, you would have won this competition. Unfortunately, your other bet in that market was on South Africa who were one of the disappointments of the competition. So, Akash, ultimately, in the standings, you finished in third place on 302.65 points. But you led for quite a long way, so you did a decent job in the group stages. Ollie, you had 20 of your units on India, and you stuck with them quite faithfully throughout the competition. You had 10 of yours on Australia, and you had 10 of them on England. So, like Akash, your 10 units on England returned you 27.5 units. And that took you to a final total with your bottom of the side Afghanistan, the Mitchell Stark stake as well, to 324. So you were about 22 ahead of Akash in second place, as it turns out. Because if you remember in the first show, I said with head and heart, I believed that England would win this World Cup. So I put all 40 of my units on Owen Morgan's men, and they came good for me. All 40 of my units um, at 2.75 in decimal, or 7 to 4, that makes my final tally 344.5. So I am the winner. I've come from behind, boys, and I've beaten you. Fair play, fair play, because the fact that you've won it because England won the World Cup, fair play to you for having the faith in us to do it. Yeah, happy to concede that one. We picked our charities last week. Mine was the Alzheimer's Society. So uh, Ollie and Akash are going to be making, as, as the losers, are going to be making a donation to the Alzheimer's Society. So they will be getting some support from the podcast. So some good things come of it as well. as all the excitement of the cricket. We also uh, have boosted the coffers of the Alzheimer's Society, which is a charity that means quite a bit to me, because as I said last week, my grandma died of Alzheimer's and it's a horrible debilitating illness which robs people of the the last years of their lives living in dignity or anything like that so I think it's a good cause and uh, happy to say I've won and that they will benefit as a result of that all that leaves us to say is that that is the end of the Cricket Badger World Cup weekly podcast it's been an absolute pleasure I've looked forward to recording them I've watched pretty much every single game of the World Cup and I've enjoyed chatting to you both um, Akash it's been good to have you on the podcast have you enjoyed the last six weeks thoroughly enjoyed myself and the podcast as well uh, although my prediction of South Africa winning the World Cup did not go through I still made good some good calls throughout the next few weeks and then it was a good time it was actually good to discuss cricket and nitpick some of the things that we loved and some other things that uh, people agree with us and people don't agree with us so it was a good learning for me and Ollie obviously being on the World Cup Weekly podcast was far better than Lords yeah absolutely that's the real privilege that's come from all of this uh, is speaking with you two guys about the events over the last 40 odd days just incredible really and like I say with the benefit of hindsight knowing that it worked out the way that it did one hell of a journey and I'll certainly listen back to these podcasts in years to come and think how foolish I was for doubting England about halfway through <laughs> yeah the bottom came out of your belief in it altogether at one stage you didn't keep the faith you didn't keep the faith but they, they didn't 
hold it against you. They still won for you at uh, Lords yesterday. All that leaves us to say is a few thank yous. Thank you very much to Cricket365 for supporting the podcast. Thank you to Paddy Power as well. We've taken their prices all the way through the World Cup. And thank you to them for their support too. Thank you to the players and the teams because they've made the, the World Cup what it's been. It's been an absolute joy to uh, watch the games and to cover it on the Cricket Badger World Cup weeklies as well. And finally... Thank you very much to Ollie and Akash. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, fellas. We're going to come back as well. It's, you know, you haven't got rid of us because we have got plans. We've been talking off, off mic about coming back and doing the island and the, the ashes as well, doing those as a, a weekly show too. So uh, you will hear from us all as a trio again. But until those times, which isn't that far away to be fair, but until those times, thank you for your World Cup expertise. Akash, thank you for yours, Ollie. Thank you. Thank you Dean. very much. It's been a pleasure. And final thank you is obviously to the listeners as well. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your comments as well as we've gone through the World Cup Weekly. Subscribe, like, and uh, do whatever you want to do that's positive towards the Cricket Badger podcast. And there are the weekly podcasts as well that come out with big names from the world of cricket and discussion points on there. As I said, we'll be back throughout the uh, the test element of the summer too. Until we meet again, Badgers everywhere. Enjoy your cricket and we'll be back soon. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.